Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. What's happening, everybody? It is uh, September 11th today. It's 23. It's Monday. Yeah. Our Lord. Yep. Yeah. September 11th, man. That's a weighty day in, uh, in our, our society and our culture, really in the world at, at large, I think. I mean, this was a monumental uh, thing that took place. And I, I remember I was a senior in high school uh, when it, it happened. I was living here in Dallas and uh, finding out. I remember where I was when I found out. I could walk back right now to the spot I was in in my high school and, and say, this is exactly where I was when I found out what was going on and what happened. And wow. just the, the chaos and the fear and the, the, the unease that came after that too. Do you remember where you were? Oh, of course. I think everybody does. Kind of yeah. like the JFK assassination or some of the things like that. I mean, for our generation, that was pretty definitive. Yeah. And it, it, I'm sure it will remain so. But yeah, I was in my, my home living room. Uh, I, my, my mom was watching it. I was getting ready for school. Hadn't gone to school yet. I was uh, I was in seventh grade and just kidding. <laughs> make you sound much older. Uh, I, yeah, I was, I was watching. I was watching it unfold on the television, but I didn't realize even I saw what was taking place. I, I think I, I think my memory serves me right. I actually saw the second tower get hit. Yeah. I think I saw that. I wasn't, it didn't dawn on me how significant it was though yeah. until the aftermath um, when I began to realize, oh, this is this is kind of a, a huge deal. So yeah, I was kind of young and dumb. I don't think it registered all altogether until later, but I, I did, I do remember exactly where I was and what was happening. Yeah. Yeah. A significant uh, memory, I'm sure. As, Shaping. As, uh, yeah, absolutely. And even today, I mean, you, you turn on the television this morning and they're reading the names of all the different people that, that died. Mm-hmm. Um sobering and gave their lives and i mean just there's it was one of the worst times in our nation's history and also if i could say it this way one of the best yeah to see the men and women who who ran into the buildings to see the men and women who served so valiantly yep i mean just the kind of courage that it takes to do what those people did man that is something special yeah and it is. even in the depths of evil and ugliness you see glimmers of the glory of God yeah. reflected in the image bearers. Yeah. And so many people afterwards on the, in the heels of that, there was this hunger for uh, unity. And I think most of that came out in patriotism, but I think some of that came out too in just a, a re-engagement with, with the concept of God mm-hmm. looking for yeah, churches are packed. Yeah. Man. Looking for answers, looking for why, looking for, you know, what, wh- what's going on. And it, it, it's, it's sobering. And, and yet it's also sobering to think, God has been there the, the whole time and it some, so often takes a tragedy or takes an event like this to drive people to, to look for him and to drive people to try to find God, so to speak. And, and he's been there. And one of the things is that he's ways that he's there is he's there through the, the presence of his word. And that's one of the reasons why we spend time every single day in the word of God. This is God speaking to us, communicating to us in the most tangible way that we know today. And when things like 9-11 happen or 
you know, a, a death in your family that's unexpected or you lose your job or anything else. It's, it's God's word and the truth contained therein that holds us, that anchors us, that, that is the stabilizing force in the midst of the chaos of everything else going on. And so that's one key reason why we do what we do and why we encourage you to do it, this with us each and every day as we study God's word together. And in today's passage, we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 19 and chapter 20, and then second Corinthians chapter three. Proverbs chapter 19, in the first nine verses, a phrase, a a verse is almost repeated word for word in verse five and verse nine. A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who breathes out lies will not escape. Verse nine, a false witness will not go unpunished, and he who breathes out lies will perish. And here we see just God's God's desire for truthfulness, that God is a God of truth and desires us to be men and women of truth. And so as we think about uh, conducting ourselves with integrity, a big part of conducting ourselves with integrity is con- conducting ourselves without lying, without deceitfulness, characterizing who we are. And if we are men and women who are, who lie, we may get away with it, so to speak, in the present, but ultimately, long term, we won't get away with it. There will be justice that will be brought. Sandwiched between those two verses is verse six. May many seek the favor of a generous man, and everyone who is a friend, uh, and everyone is a friend to a man who gives gifts. So again, if the, if you're going to apply sanctified self-interest, it is right and good to be generous. Yep. I mean, g- generous, not only with your resources, although that's clearly indicated here, but to be a generous person, to have a generous eye, a good eye, as the scripture calls it, to be the kind of person we saw this several days ago now, but uh, Proverbs 11, 25, I, I brought this up to your attention those days ago. Whoever brings blessings will be enriched and the one who waters will himself be watered. God wants to make it clear. This is not karma. This is not karma. This is not what the Hindus teach. This is what God teaches. God has designed the world to work in such a way where those who give tend to receive. And that's just the way that he's made it. So take advantage of that. Practice some sanctified self-interest. And verse 17 reinforces that too. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord mm. and he will repay him for his deed. I mean, think about that. That's it, you. Do we want the God of creation to be indebted to us? I mean, that, that's a weird thing to think about, but that's that's, that's what Solomon's it. saying. Uh, Lend to the Lord here. Yeah, when we're generous to the poor, and now we need to be wise on that. And I, I yeah, think that's that's the that's the crux. That's the, the hard, hard thing. Part. Yeah, yeah, and even from a church standpoint, right? I mean, we we talk about. I was talking with my wife about something different today and it came back to the idea of benevolence is the church and the benevolent fund is, is the fund that typically is used in the church to care for the needs of the people in the church. Mm-hmm. And, and as church leadership, that's our first priority is we're going to take care of the people that are part of our church family when needs arise. And that's, that's what we're there to do at the outset. But a lot of times we'll get people that give us that call the church and say, Hey, I need help with my electric bill. I need help with my rent. I need help mm-hmm. with my utilities. And, and that's where it gets difficult because we need to be careful careful in how we handle God's money in situations like that. Scripture gives so many different qualifiers before you hand out money. Right. Most people don't know that. Right. Right. So this is not Solomon uh, encouraging just a blind generosity here to say, hey, just give all the time because you're giving to the Lord and doing this. There are situations like that, and we need to be wise on that. We need to be ready and willing to do that. That's the, that's the challenge here. We need to have a willing heart, a generous heart that is ready to do this when we feel like it's the right situation. Right, and all the things that you just said, that's why that's that's why the proverb doesn't say all those things. That's a much longer verse. <laughs> that is a longer verse. This one is, is nice and pithy, and it right. gets the point across without having to add a, a long list of unless, except, until, those kinds of things. Right. Verse 18, Pastor PJ, talk to us again about disciplining our kids because there's hope in that. Yeah, this is, 
And an undis- everybody knows an undisciplined child, right? I never met one. You've never what met you one. Not yeah. even one. Not man. one. No, you, but we, you know what I'm talking about. You know the kid that you see and you go, okay, <laughs> that kid's never been told no in his life, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a reason why we can all recognize that because yeah. his behavior is such that it, it stands out and we think to ourselves, man, he needs discipline in his life. He needs discipline. And we don't want to do that as parents. We don't want to raise that child. We want to make sure that we are raising children who are being disciplined, who are being constrained because the flesh wants to break out. And listen, we're there. Paul and Galatians will say that the law is there as our as our guide to, to be our tutor even until Christ. Parents, that's our role with our kids as well. Look, do we want our kids to be moralists? Well, in in some sense, yes, we want them to be moral individuals. Mm-hmm. We're not teaching them to be moral because we want them to earn their salvation that way, but we want them to act like Christians even before they are Christians because that's the that's a good thing. It's it's preserving for them to do that and and then ultimately we want them to to come to faith in Christ. Amen, bro. Yeah, we're, again, we're practicing sanctified self-interest. Johnny Susie may not be a believer, but we don't want to set our heart on putting them to death. It is for their very life that we seek to discipline them. Right. We want to bless them and encourage them. And let's just say for the sake of argument here, Johnny Susie never comes to faith in Christ. That's a, that's a distinct possibility. We, we pray against that. We don't want that, but would their knife, would, the, would not their life be better if they were far less sinful? Right. If they didn't make foolish choices, even if they were a heathen, uh, it's better that they be a moral heathen than to be an immoral, rebellious, I mean, nth degree. It's better to die as a policeman than to die as Hitler um, if you're going to have to die without Christ. Right. Now, now, of course, again, the goal is not that. Scripture says here, don't set your heart to put him to death. In fact, lead him to life in Christ by recognizing I could never be, I could never match up to what the law requires. I need Jesus Christ. And that's the ultimate goal. Yep. Yep. Verse 21, many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. And this is this theme has been repeated elsewhere in the the Proverbs, Proverbs sixteen nine. Many of the plans, or the man makes his plans, but the Lord directs his steps. Mm-hmm. Right? It's this idea. It's it's not wrong for us to plan. Notice, it's not condemning the fact that we might plan, but we need to plan with open hands. We need to plan knowing that ultimately God's purpose is going to stand. God's will is going to be what is done. And so, yes, we should plan. We should be wise because he's going to talk about that actually in, in chapter twenty about the sluggard is the one who's not planning. He's not plowing. For, for autumn. So we need to be wise and disciplined to do the things and be ready. But we also need to have the humility to trust the Lord. If he's going to redirect us, he's going to redirect us. That's right. Well, let's get to chapter 20 then. And uh, that verse, verse four, the sluggard does not plow in autumn. He will seek harvest and have nothing. Hey, if, if we're lazy, we can't expect that, that we should have fruits for that. And that's, that's something going on in our world and our society today, isn't it? I mean, you just think of the handouts going on and everybody kind of wants the free lunch and everybody wants the easiest path, the path of least resistance. And it's, it's coming back on us. Even people that are refusing to, to go back to the office after yeah. COVID because they're like, I don't want to have to do that. And why like, should I have to I do get that? more money from unemployment? Yeah, exactly. Which and is it's bonkers. It's crazy. How does that happen? It's crazy. And it's not good. It's not good. It, this is not a good situation that we find ourselves in uh, where there's all kinds of handouts being given and people are not having to work hard. It's a biblical concept for us to work hard. God desires that we should work hard. And so we should labor. We should press on and, and trust that he'll provide through those labors. Indeed. Uh, I, I liked uh, verse six. That stood out to me. Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find um, one of the things, and so I, I've been, again, the relational element here has been clearly jumping out to me lately. You should not 
according to scripture here, take a faithful friend for granted. They're, they're a rarity. They're not a given. They're mm-hmm. not something that you're, you're guaranteed to have. All right, I talked to so many people that have moved states for different reasons. You know, they're, they're traveling here or there and oh, I got a good job opportunity, this place, that place. And one of the things that they'll do is they'll make the decision to move and then they'll say, Hey pastors, can you give me a faithful church in that area? Can you, can you point me to a Bible believing church? And I think in, in most people's minds, they think that we have a catalog of all these churches everywhere. That's just not the case. Yeah. You cannot you cannot take for granted that you have a good church. Yeah. Can't take for granted that you have a faithful friend. These are gifts of God and you ought to be very careful in discarding one to embrace another just because there's more money here or there. Prayerfully make your decisions. If you're going to have to move, make sure that you have a network that can point you to a good Bible teaching church. And especially if you have faithful friends, man, don't give up those friends easily. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Verse 22, this was one that I went over with my kids recently in the morning. We uh, have our, our family Bible time together. And sometimes for my family, it's as simple as just one verse that we'll read together like the, in Proverbs here. And we'll talk about that and we'll talk about different contexts with our kids. What does Super that look good. like? We read the whole Bible every time, but yeah, awesome. that's good too. Well, that's good. You guys are overachievers. We can only <laughs> handle one verse. We, uh, by the way, I, didn't, I meant it. We read it in the original languages. Okay. Just so you know. With the gutturals with and everything. The, yeah, yeah. All okay. of it. <sighs> the Aramaic too. We just, the whole thing. <laughs> well, we talked about this one because it's particularly relevant, especially in a home with four boys, uh, as, as I have. Uh, do not say, verse 22, I will repay evil. Wait for the Lord and he will deliver you. So often we have to remind our kids it's the second one that often is the one that gets caught. <laughs> not, mm-hmm. not the first one, right? Yeah. Why'd you hit your brother? Well, he hit me first. Okay, well, we didn't see that. We saw you. So guess who gets busted? You get busted, right? Lord the law. This idea of, of not taking vengeance, it's a biblical theme elsewhere, but not repaying evil is so hard to do because in the flesh, we just want we want our pound of flesh back. Somebody wronged me, man, I want to, I want to get back at them. I want to go back after them. And and yet the biblical concept here is we need to trust the Lord in that. And so we need to not do that. And, uh, and we've got a a little friend at at, uh, the kid's school who is a great example of not doing this. Like she just doesn't care if somebody makes fun of her. She's like, okay, whatever. Yeah, that's fine. (laughs) And it just, it cuts the legs out from under the people that want to, it's no fun hurt them because (laughs) they're like, wait, you don't care about this. Yeah, She's like, no, it's fine. So, Anyways, do not repay evil is a good principle for us. And if I could just throw one example of that, uh, I don't know why Facebook or Instagram, I don't know who's, who's advertising this. They, they keep on showing me this advertisement of this hand that you could put on the back of your windshield. Have you seen this, Pastor PJ? Uh-uh. So it's a hand that goes in the back of your windshield. And the hand is outlined with LED lights. So, and then you, and you have a control panel on the driver's seat. Where if someone lets I don't like where this is going. If someone lets you in the lane and you want to thank them, you could give them a nice thumbs up, you know, or a high a high hand. If someone does something else to you and you want to show your displeasure, <laughs> tell them they're number one. Tell them they're number one with the wrong finger. And I'm thinking, who's gonna do? Who would do this? Why would I do? I'm a pa- no. I'm not gonna do this. <laughs> Put it right next to my Compass Bible Church sticker. <laughs> to let people know i'm so upset with you right now for cutting me off i'm gonna oh, cut man. you off and let you know what i think about it bad Yikes. idea horrible bad i especially where people are armed no thank you yeah no thanks horrible horrible how about verse 29 the glory of young men is their strength but the splendor of old men is their gray hair Here we go again yep so i'm in the gray hair stage so i feel like i'm, I'm okay not being the strongest guy in the room anymore <laughs> That's, just just because of the gray hair. That's how I'm going to interpret that's, that verse. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's and fair. Did you notice I said strongest guy in the room anymore? I don't know that that's ever been 
who I am? I was going to let it pass, but okay. If I, we want to talk about I it. I mean... Let's what, talk about what's your bench. Listen, what's your highest bench? When I put my twins to bed and it's just me and them in the room, I'm pretty sure I'm the strongest guy in the room, so... Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. <sighs> They're pretty strong. They're, They're strong. Pretty strong. They're ganging up on me. That's right. Hey, let's jump to Second Corinthians chapter 3. All right. I'm there. Chapter 3. Ministers of a new covenant. Uh, first, uh, verse 2, before we get to the concept of new covenant, which I do want to touch on real quick. But uh, verse two, you yourselves are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all that man. That's my aspiration as a pastor that our church would be so godly and upright and faithful and just passionate for Christ that it would be a testimony to not in a boast boastful way, but that it would be that we could say, look, I I don't need to give you my resume. You want to look at at what God's doing. Look look at at our church. church. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. And that's what Paul's saying here about the church in Corinth. You're our letter. People are looking at you and seeing that what we are saying is true. Mm-hmm. And that's his, his point there. Not look at us. Look at Paul. He's saying people are looking at you going, this message is true. The gospel is true and is doing powerful things. That's right. So man, that was, that's what we would love for our church here. But he talks about them as ministers of a new covenant. Now, if you remember back in first Corinthians chapter 11, dealing with communion, Paul talks about the new covenant there as well. And he talks about it here. It's the only two places that he really brings up the new covenant question comes up. Is this the same new covenant of Jeremiah 31 is first Corinthians 11, the same new covenant of Jeremiah 31. There's different views on that. Some would say, well, the new covenant of Jeremiah 31 is only for Israel. So this must be another new covenant. That's a view. That's a a more extreme view of dispensationalism. That's out there. Not 2.0. Yeah. Not one that we would embrace or, or teach. So what is going on here? Because the promise was from Jeremiah to Israel about this new covenant. And so does the new covenant find its fulfillment in the church or is it for Israel? Answer, yes. Mm. There's a, a, a way for the promises made to Israel in the Old Testament to be partially fulfilled by the church, though not completely fulfilled by the church. Mm-hmm. And so that's a, a view of dispensationalism, which we would refer to as progressive dispensationalism. So we believe that the church does fulfill some things in part of some of these Old Testament prophecies, but there's an ultimate still future fulfillment for Israel. So we are part of the new covenant. We are experiencing the blessings of the new covenant, but the ultimate full realization of the new covenant from Jeremiah 31 won't take place until the millennial kingdom with Israel in the future there. It's the idea of us being grafted into the vine. Right, right. And we become those that get to participate in that. But what he's doing here, the point is not to debate the new covenant, is he's saying the new covenant is better than the law because the law or the letter, as he summarizes the law, kills, Mm. but the spirit gives life. The spirit being the the mark of the new covenant, that we have the spirit within us, right? And so the spirit provides life, the law kills. Well, didn't Paul in Romans 7 say the law is good? So how can he now say the law kills? Well, the law kills in that it exposes sin within us and the wages of sin is death. Exposes and even uh, aggravates, creates it. Right. right? I wouldn't know, I wouldn't have known not to covet if the law didn't say don't covet and then I started coveting everything. Right, right. And so instead, the, the new covenant is better. Why is the new covenant better? Well, he goes on in the next passage to say because it's the ministry of the spirit because the new covenant brings the spirit. Why is it better? Because in verse nine, it's the ministry of righteousness because the new covenant is about righteousness and an righteousness. The law doesn't provide righteousness. In fact, Paul's argued against that in Romans quite effectively. The law cannot make us righteous, but the new covenant does through Christ. And then the third reason why it's better is because the new covenant is permanent. The law had passed away, but the new covenant now is permanent. Can I ask a clarifying question? Yeah. What does ET have to do with our righteousness? ET. Where, where are you pulling E.T. from? You said alien righteousness. Oh, alien, alien what, righteousness. Because like, yeah. UFOs, UAPs here. 
I want to know. Zerg, alien, what does Zerg have to do with my righteousness? Alien meaning not part of who we are, not natural to us. It's outside of us. It's an extra, it's a extraterrestrial extraterrestrial righteousness. It's a nano nano righteousness. No, it's not native to us. It's not inherent in us. Okay. It's outside us. That's, That's what, why. Okay. Yeah. No, it's a strange righteousness in that sense. Mm. And then he goes on, he talks about the, the veil and he's comparing again, the law and the new covenant. And he's saying, look, it, it, Moses had to veil his face going in before God, but, but we are with faces unveiled, beholding God and being transformed from one degree of glory to the other. And, and that is the progressive sanctification. That is us growing more and more into the image of Jesus. That this word for transform here that he uses in verse uh, 18 is the same word that Paul uses in Romans 12 too, when he says we need to be transformed by the renewal of our mind. It's a word that he only uses, I think, three times. In fact, I think he may only use it twice. I think the only other time it's used in the scriptures is to refer to Christ's transfiguration, that he was transformed before the disciples. We are being transformed from one degree of glory to the other as we become more and more like Christ through the new covenant, through the spirit living within us that he's been talking about here in chapter three. Which demonstrates the importance of beholding the glory of the Lord. Verse 18, we're transformed as we behold his glory. Now that's interesting because it certainly raises some questions. What does that mean to behold his glory? Well, whatever it means, it's certainly something that Christians have to do. It's something that we do do, which is what provokes and stirs up that transformation. I could make several suggestions to you, but not the least of which would be to behold his glory through his word, to continue to excavate the glories and the splendor of Christ in his word. So Mm. good that you do this. In fact, someone put it this way a long time ago. I never forgot it. We become what we behold. And that is true not only for Christians. That's true for any of us. For who? I mean, think about the sports fanatic who always beholds the sports games. He's memorizing and meditating on all the uh, all the different stats and players and who's who's been purchased or who's being transferred. Yada yada yada. That guy, you could cut him and he would bleed stats about his favorite team. And that's going to be true for Christians. We become what we behold. We're beholding uh, trite. Uh, silly uh, conspiracy theories online. We're going to become conspiracy theorists ourselves. We're going to get caught up into that. If we're the kind of people that are spending copious amounts of time listening to, uh, I don't know, those podcasts are about uh, like murder, crime, mystery, true crime podcast. Crime pro- yeah. I, I, I guess they're entertaining to some degree, but they probably have a lot of gore and violence as depicted, even if it's not uh, like visually, verbally, sometimes it's worse because then you're left to your own, your own imagination. If you're the kind of person that absorbs that and beholds that over and over again, that stuff is sticky. Think about this. Have you ever encountered something that, you, I mean, to this day, I could ask you about it and you'd be like, oh man, I hate that. I, I wish I never saw that. wish I never heard it. That's, that's kind of the idea here. There's a stickiness to what we behold. So be careful what you behold and make sure you're beholding the glory of the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Helpful. Good way to wrap up our hundred and X number seven. I still haven't gotten number. my Texas Twinkie. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking about it now though. Well, thanks for joining in for this episode. And we'll be back tomorrow with you again, Lord willing for another episode of the daily Bible podcast. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.